Um, so the next thing, uh, I just want to give a little bit about me. So uh, if you don't know who I am, hi, I'm Evan. And uh, one of the things that I do is I do tech for our uh, ministries, for uh, Gather, sometimes for the big room. Uh, but since sixth grade, I've been doing tech. I've been doing uh, lights, slides, whatever it may be. I've been uh, doing that all the way back since sixth grade. And then eighth grade year, my brother, he taught me how to do audio uh, for this room for uh, what was porch at the time. So I was only in eighth grade, but I was coming to porch a little early uh, in order to like, uh, learn how to do audio. So one of the things that Porch did at the time was called the Porch Family Picture, and I actually have something forever to commemorate my first time at Porch. And if you can't see me, all the way on the right with that little arrow, that's me to the side somewhere over there standing by myself because I didn't know anyone. So, you know, we all got to come from somewhere, all right? Anyways, uh, back to judges, quickly as I can. Uh, before I go, real quick, I just think it's funny because a lot of the times when a pastor is up here, like a, uh, we have a guest pastor, they start preaching, they show their family, they'll show their children. I showed a picture of myself in eighth grade. Um, anyways, continuing on here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give you some quick facts about judges. Uh, just That's what we're doing. Uh, we have three sermons that the students are teaching. And before we start off, I just want to give you guys somewhere to start off in case you don't know anything about judges. So the first thing I have uh, is the judges are people chosen by God, maybe. Uh, if you could hit that, Micah, it's not updating for me. There we go. Sorry about that. The judges are people chosen by God. Um, they're chosen to free Israel because Israel is trapped in this cycle where they sin and they'll repent and then they'll be redeemed. And it's not great, but it's, it's really bad actually. But <laughs> the judges are people that God has chosen to free Israel from whatever it may be by raising up an army, by getting Israel back on their side and leading them in the right direction. Uh, can you hit the next thing, Micah? Sorry. Uh, judges has 21 chapters and 15 judges. So there's 15 different guys who do this, and that kind of shows you how many times this cycle happened, how many times they were in this sin cycle where they would keep on doing this thing where they, would, they were stuck in this sin, repent, redeem cycle, and it happened a lot. Um, Micah, sweet, thanks, sorry. Uh, yeah, so it happened a lot, and uh, basically it wasn't great for Israel because they kept on doing this, they kept on having judges sent at them, and we're only starting in chapter six today, uh, so not chapter one, but chapter six, and that's important to note because before we start, this cycle has already happened a couple times. They've already been freed, and that's just an important note. But another thing is that we aren't that different from the Israelites. A lot of times, we'll place us in the shoes of the judges where we think, oh, we're the ones helping others and evangelizing, but we need to place ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites. We aren't that different from them in the fact that we sin, and then we have this same cycle where we sin, we go to God, and we ask for forgiveness, and he does forgive us, but we are stuck in this same cycle. So we aren't that different from them. So the next uh, thing, I guess we're going right into Judges uh, chapter 6, uh, and that's just right here. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And I think it's kind of funny because uh, he really, oh wait, go back. That was sweet, sorry. Uh, that's good. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And basically uh, what's happening here, I think it's funny because God doesn't really, uh, he doesn't like hold back. He's not like, this is what happened to, uh, well, I guess the writer, but in in reality, is God saying, 
They just did evil. They did wrong. There wasn't this that led to them sinning that led to this. It was, here's what happened. They did evil, and for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. He just seems fed up with it. And in case you don't know what that means for the Israelites, it means their livestock is being murdered. It means their crops are being destroyed. It's not looking great for them. And that's, that's putting it nicely. It, they are stuck in this cycle, and they are just being beaten up by the Midianites, really. Um, but basically, God, uh, or they beg God to save them. They, they see this, and they're like, we need something greater than us to save us. So... Going back now to Gideon, Gideon is just this normal guy, and he's against idolatry. He's following God. He's a servant of God, and that's really like the two main things about him. He's just a normal dude who God saw and decided to use. God looked at him and said, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And that's Judges 6.14. And he's just saying to Gideon, I'm choosing you. I'm picking you. You're going to be the one to go forth and save Israel uh, from this like thing they're in, you know? Um, but just uh, to finish off this paraphrased version, Gideon asks for proof. He, he's like, I don't know that I'm really talking to God. I want to be sure that this is his plan. I want to be sure that what I'm doing is right. So uh, he asks for proof, and he's given the proof uh, from God. God shows him, and then he agrees to follow God. Um, and follow God's plan, and he basically uh, goes and builds this army of like 32,000 men, and it's brought down to like 300 men, and they go and basically push back the Midianites. Uh, and that's, that's really all we really need to know. Uh, it's a long story. There's a lot of stuff involved at the end there, but really all you need to know is with the help of God, Gideon is able to lead the Israelites to freedom. Um, so going back uh, we, that was my paraphrased version. Now I think we need to do a deeper dive into what exactly this passage shows us. So first, I want to talk a little bit more about Gideon. I wasn't entirely, like I, I held something back, and that's Gideon wasn't perfectly normal. He's subpar, because there's not really any other way to put it. He's not a normal dude. Um, he says it himself as, pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. It's not great. Like he, He's like, I'm not the strongest. I'm not the best. I'm not the smartest. You didn't pick the right guy for this. And God didn't hear this and go, oh, I think Gideon's right. I picked the wrong person. Shoot, I don't know what to do. God heard this and went, no, I chose you. Like You are the right person for this. You're the person that I picked. Um, and I'm going to need you to hit these for me. Uh, you can just hit all of them. It's cool. Sweet. Uh, so, like I said, he's not the biggest or strongest Israelite. He doesn't have the greatest social position, but the most important thing about him is that he listened to and served God. That's on your card. Um, so, Gideon hears all this, and then he asks for certainty, like, uh, like I said. Um, and we see that in Judges 6.17, I believe, which I can get. Yep. All right. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. So, Gideon wants to be sure. He wants to make sure that who he's talking to is God. I, I showed this like earlier. It's important to note because a lot of times what we'll do is call it a one and done kind of thing. We'll, we'll see that we think this is what God wants for us and it's what he wanted a week ago for me. So I don't need to keep going back and praying and going to the Bible. I already know what God's plan is for me. And the thing is that we don't. No, no one does. None of us know God's full plan. It's not something that's done. It's not a checklist 
Um, and Gideon, he, he goes and he asks God just to confirm that it's really him talking to us. So this one's a long one, but here we go. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. So this is a really long-winded way of saying Gideon left a sacrifice for God, and God takes the sacrifice. What we can learn from this is that Gideon and God, they have this relationship where God just wants to show Gideon that he trusts Gideon, and Gideon is the right person for this. You know, Gideon trusts God after this, and I think it's also important to note here that we make mistakes because we're human, so confirming with God that this is what he wants for us is totally okay. I, it's sometimes... It's like taboo. It's like, this is what God wanted for me. You know, this is like the path he led me down. And then you're like, well, is that the path he led you down? Or is that the path that you think he led you down? Like, it's important to just go and confirm with God. And it's like, God's never going to be angry with you for confirming. Anyways, so Gideon trusts God after this because he's like, okay, I'm actually speaking with God, you know, Um, like even if it's through a messenger. Uh, And he goes and he destroys this town's altar to Baal. And Baal is this, like, uh, he is this deity that the Israelites were worshiping. Um, basically, like, picture if this, like, say the town of Stowe. Let's say we built a massive statue and everybody goes to the statue every day and praises it and worships it and bows down to it. And then just say some random guy comes in one day and destroys it, knocks it down, completely ruins it. Like, I don't know how you'd react. Like, it, it's kind of hard to think how would I react in that situation? But everyone's mad at him. They're very mad at him because they've built this massive statue and it's like the God they worship pretty much. And basically, this is saying like, hey, Gideon destroyed this altar, but then the town's mad at him. They come at him and Gideon just looks at all of them, this entire mad town. And he goes, if Baal really is a God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. That's all he says. Like, instantly shuts down anyone. Because what do you say to that? Like, you have an entire army of people, they're coming after him, and he's just like, well, I mean, you guys are coming after me, but I don't see, I don't see Baal anywhere. It's like, what the heck? You know, (laughs) like, he he can't do anything. So the Israelites kind of realize this and join, join Gideon. They're like, redeemed. This is part of that cycle where they start to come back. Um, They start to repent for their sins, and they stop uh, a lot of their idolatry. And because of this, Gideon starts building an army. He has the town. He has a lot of people on his side. The, the Israelites start to join him. Messengers are sent out. And with God's help, he builds this army, like I said, of 32,000 people. Uh, and that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of soldiers. Um, but it's not as many as the Midianites still, but it's a lot. Um, but it's kind of funny because God sees this... Uh, uh, like army that he's building and Gideon still wants to be sure that he's talking to God. So he makes sure. Uh, it's right here. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, 
Do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. I'm going to say real quick, God isn't going to be this obvious with you. Like, he's not going to, you can't just go, oh, I left a towel outside, so this isn't God's plan for me. Like, this was different. God was with Gideon, and it's not going to be the same for us. I can, I can tell you that now. But another thing, God isn't angry with Gideon. He doesn't see, Gideon, I showed you proof one time. I showed you proof a second time. God shows us again and again his plan. He shows us again and again. It's not this one and done thing. So Gideon has this army of Israelites um, from a bunch of different tribes and people all around. Oh, wait, sorry. That was on your card. My bad. It's that. Uh, anyways, so God uh, sees this army. He's got this massive group of Israelites, and it's 32,000 people, right? That's, that's not a small army. But what God does is kind of interesting. He tells Gideon to send home any of the men who are scared. And this army of 32,000 people becomes an army of 22,000 people. And then this happens. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. 22,000 men. It became 300 men. Gideon has 300 men with him to fight the entirety of the Midianite army. And, I mean, it's impossible odds. Like, I don't know if you know anything about a war or a battle, but you can't win with an army of 300 people unless you have help from God. So, I mean, you can't win with an army of 300 people. But we also don't want to miss that God makes it very clear that the Israelites only won through God. You know, like, not because of Gideon or anything else, but God. Only through God. So what can we learn from this just in total? Oh, wait, sorry, that was also on your card. That's it, sorry. I want to write that down real quick. Let me get some water. All right, so what can we learn? Sorry, so, oh, what can we learn from this? Um, the first thing, uh, Mike, I'm going to need your help with this too. Sorry. Uh, go to God and continue to go back to him. What do I mean by that exactly? So... I mean, it, it's easy to say, go to God and continue to go back to him, go pray daily, that kind of thing. But Gideon was careful with how he followed God. He, he was careful that what he was doing was God's plan. He wasn't reckless. Uh, he wasn't, oh, this is exactly what I, like, the first thing I've seen, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Like, he makes sure and that's a good thing to do. He confirmed three different times that he was following God's plan. He asked God to show him proof three times. And a lot of times we can think of God like a drive-thru, all right? I'm going to make an analogy here. We go through and we order what we want, and then we leave. Like, you, you, just, you don't need to think about it again. You just get what you want, and you go. And <laughs> that's not what God is. We need to go back to him again and again and again. And God's plan for us is never done. So even once you think you know what God wants, you're not done. You still need to ask and listen. So then the next point is go to God always. Yes. So I'm going to continue this drive through analogy. You don't go to a drive through because you are tired or angry. You go because you're hungry, right? And we can't really go to God when we need something every time. That's not 
how a relationship works. I mean, if you have a friend and you only go to them when you need something, number one, you're a terrible friend. Uh, and number two, that's not how you build a relationship. And God wants a relationship with us. He wants something deeper than that. All right? We can't just not, like, you can't just go to God when you need something. That's important. All right? So we go to God with everything. We go to God always. All right? And we go to him and continue to go back to him. But my next thing, so I'm going to, I'm just going to, we're not going to put it up yet, but we don't need to be the strongest. We don't need to be the smartest. We don't need to be the best. And we don't need to be anything else. Because if you want to serve God, there's a place for you in his ministry. Somewhere there is a way that you can serve God. It doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong with you that's greater than how God can use you. So, I mean, look at Moses, one of probably the most influential leader in Bible history. He wasn't a great public speaker. We see Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And in case you missed that, Moses wasn't a good public speaker and God used him. All right. It doesn't matter what's wrong with you. There's nothing that can be wrong with you that's greater than God's ability to use you. There's nothing, if you can't publicly speak, you can go to kids zone, you can work with kids, you can work with the babies, no matter what, you can do something where God can use you. There is a way for you to be a part of his plan. It's up to you to go up and grab it. So what does that lead me to? My third point, go to God regardless of your fear. Your fear means nothing in the grand picture. It doesn't matter if you're too scared that you're gonna mess up, that you're gonna be embarrassed, that something else, any of your fears that you're gonna, not good enough, you're, no matter what it is, it's not greater than God, all right? So the only thing stopping us from serving him is our own fear. So my last point is just go to God regardless of your fears. It might be time for you to start serving right now. You can go back to the tech booth after service and you talk to Alex. You can talk to Johnny. You can talk to them about joining the tech team. That might not be where you're great at. You can talk to KidZone. You can even do welcoming. We have so many different ways for you to serve in this church. And it's up to you to go out and grab those because there's nothing that can, anyone can do besides you and getting started. So you just might need to start that right now. And I understand that's important. So... You don't need to wait, and you don't need to be perfect to serve God, all right? That's my last thing. Just, you don't need to be perfect to serve God. So just going to wrap up here. These are my three big takeaways. Go to God and continue to go back to him. Go to God always and go to God regardless of your fears. Uh, and with that, I have a couple discussion questions for you. Uh, you can just talk about these around your table, and then we'll come back in a few minutes. So I hope you had some good discussions around your table. Um, so I just go into your week, do your best to serve God. I mean, don't let your fears hold you back. That's, that's what I have to say. Um, remember right after this service, uh, the band's going to come up, but I also want you guys after we're done today, just please go talk to one of our leaders. They'll be happy to talk to you. There's no way that you can be not good enough. You know, um, you're, you're able to serve God just the way you are. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and wrap us up. So if you'll please bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us all here safely and just giving me the opportunity to uh, speak through you. And I pray that you just guide all of the people here um, and let us serve you more. Just guide us to you. Um, don't let our fears hold us back. Don't let anything uh, hold us back from you. Just bring us closer to you and just... Give us uh, the opportunity to worship you in everything we do. Uh, I pray that 
everyone here uh, just has, takes the opportunity this week to serve you, whether that's through evangelizing to their friends or joining the church and volunteering here, whatever it may be, I just pray that you guide everyone here. So amen.